This is the MG Car Club podcast with Wayne Scott and Adam Sloman. On this week's episode, we preview the MG Car Club Race Championship season for 2021 and MetroFest. The MG Car Club podcast. Well, on this episode of the MG Car Club podcast, we are marking the fact that it is just a month to go until the race championship starts. The calendar begins for a year and a season of racing within the MG Car Club and lots of great fixtures to come. So uh, joining me on the podcast this week is Mark Bolsch, of course, competition secretary for the MG Car Club. Hi, Mark. Hello, Wayne. How are you? Very well, thanks. And we've also got, well, the wizard of media for the MG Car Club race championship, <laughs> uh, Ian Waterhouse. Hi, Ian. Wayne, what an introduction that is. Thank you so much. And thanks for having me, by the way. <laughs> uh, it's, it's great because uh, I thought it'd be interesting to have you on, Ian, because it's uh, a bit of an insight into the well, the back room, the engine room of what we do with the MG Car Club Race Championship and spreading the word across social media and the internet. And it's been particularly important that people get to see the races and get to experience the atmosphere even though we haven't been allowed to attend race meetings. So we'll find out more about how you put together those fantastic race coverage packages for us in just a moment. But, um, I mean, I, I can't let the last couple of weeks go when talking to a bunch of motorsport guys without marking some real losses, actually, that we've had in the motorsport community. Of course, Murray Walker passed away. Uh, the shocking news of uh, Sabine Schmitz, um, that she passed away far too young it's moments like this when you just like to take a moment and remember those people that have been heroes for many of us isn't it uh, what are your memories mark of the first time you heard motorsport through the voice of murray walker well he very much was the voice of motorsport for me because when i was growing up he commentated on just about everything i think everyone remembers him commentating on formula one but of course he did so much more than that and i grew up not a million miles away from brown's hatch and he'd be regularly down there commentating on things like the rallycross down there. So a very, very much an influence for me and one of the people that made me get into motorsport. Absolutely. And, you know, as someone who works in commentary and in narrating races, he was always a hero of mine. I had the pleasure of meeting him um, and getting some tips from him a few years ago. Uh, Ian, obviously, you know, you're in the same game. It must have been one of your inspirations as well, surely. Absolutely. And I hasten to add as well that um, I'm nowhere near the same class or even within a whisper of the same game as Murray Walker. It could only be a dream. I, I sort of grew up as well. I got into F1 really in the 90s. And, and of course, uh, for me, that was Murray Walker. And I remember, I actually remember when he retired, it was around about 2001 or 2003, wasn't it? He, he announced he was retiring from commentary on Formula One. And, and uh, it just, I just couldn't get on with it for the next year. You know, eventually I got back into it again. But, you know, it, it's incredible to find somebody who who's not, essentially one of the stars of the show but then become the star of the show you know it's all about the drivers isn't it really in the teams but somehow without murray it just it just wasn't the same well that's right he brought the personality two cars going round in circles basically and through his passion and he was always and i think that's the thing about being a commentator isn't it you have to strike that very delicate balance between narrating what's happening and giving the audience an insight in a very balanced and fair way but also sharing the fact that you are deeply emotional and passionate and excited about what you see and what murray did was to i guess throw off the shackles of normal broadcasting etiquette and get emotionally involved in everything he saw and commentated on 
that was part of the beauty of what he did. And I was lucky enough to end up commentating on a much smaller scale later on, but live to thousands of people at a stock car track. And I always try to make sure that what I was saying was exciting and engaging. Um, and then also try and make sure that it was accurate, of course. But you try to get that enthusiasm across. And I think the one thing that Murray had was enthusiasm in bucket loads. And that made people really listen to what he was saying. He made people that weren't natural motorsport fans, perhaps. It made it accessible for them. Made it very obvious why people are getting excited about it. And um, as I wrote in my piece that you can read on the MG Car Club website within our news section there, my tribute to Murray, it was the fact that when you had those big moments in Formula One and the ones that stick in my mind that he narrated and got us all through was the death of Roland Ratzenberger and Ayrton Senna at Monza, where he picked the mood very, very brilliantly, actually, um, and took you along quite emotional journey in sport. But then on the other, more euphoric side, of course, that moment in 96 in Suzuka, when Damon Hill won the world championship, and he said those famous words, I have to stop now, I've got a lump in my throat. And Ian, as commentators, that is your dream moment, isn't it? When you are conveying a historical moment. It really is. And I think the beauty about Murray is that it wasn't a job, if you know what I mean. It was his passion. It was everything. And, you know, we try and convey that, you know, now. If it's your passion, you get so excited about it. And you trip over your own words sometimes. You know, I, I do it when somebody's overtaking somebody on the last lap and you end up sometimes tripping over yourself. But he was a master of getting the words out the right way. And he was unapologetically slightly biased as well, wasn't he? He was obviously good mates with Damon Hill. And, and you know, and, and we like that. We warm to that. You know, there's he, he, was, he was a friend of the drivers as well. And I think there's sort of few commentators or people in media who can actually get close to people and call them a friend like that and have that kind of relationship and almost trust and and it was really special absolutely well i was a young guy when i was sat next to murray walker and i had the chance to ask him murray what do you think makes a good narrator a good commentator and you can imagine he gets asked that question a lot but he didn't roll his eyes he didn't brush me off he just turned to me and he said just explain to everyone why they should care why it's important and share with them how you feel about it and i have kept that advice throughout the entirety of my career so far so uh, brilliant absolutely brilliant yeah murray walker 1923 to 2021 the voice of motorsport for many many generations and he will be sadly missed the mg car club podcast the mg car club the mark of friendship to take advantage of our many membership benefits, access to our centres and registers, and to receive your copy of Safety Fast magazine, join us now at mgcc.go.uk. Sharing your passion for MG on the MG Car Club podcast. Murray Walker would approve of us getting back to racing with the first of our fixtures on the way for the 2021 season after so much disruption was brought by the pandemic last year. And Mark, we have our first fixture of the MG Car Club Race Championship just a month from now at the end of April at Brands Hatch. You must be looking forward to getting back out there again. Very much so. So yes, 24th and 25th of April. It's lining up to be a really packed meeting and going to be great fun. We have all of our championships there, with the exception of Cockshoot, because they're northwest based. And we also have some great guests coming. So we've got Morgan, 
uh, with some 25, 26 cars coming. And the Keep Classic Racing team, who have, they say, nearly 200 competitors joining us. So it's going to be a really, really busy weekend. They have such a diverse range of cars that come along and race alongside the MGs, don't they? From all sorts of Triumphs, TVRs, Lotuses. You see the lot out on grid, don't you? You absolutely do. Everything from the 50s, 60s and, and beyond. And some really great marks out there. Predominantly British marks, fantastically. And then, of course, uh, a month after that... You're off, well, up north, actually, to the northwest, Alton Park. Yeah, and a break from tradition from us, because it's traditionally we've done Alton Park towards the end of the season, if not the season finale. Uh, we're actually going up there on the 22nd of May this year, so uh, we've ordered some sunshine. Please, <laughs> please, I want some sunshine. I don't want it to be like last year. <laughs> two great starts of the season there, Ian, isn't there? And uh, two great circuits, historic circuits at that. Talk us through how you approach conveying the atmosphere of the mg car club race meets at those two events yeah i mean brands hatch up first is it's oh as you know wayne it's it's a commentator it's a broadcaster's dream certainly the indie circuit because you can go to the top of the media tower can't you and stand up there you can see you can see the entire track Mm -hmm. and you know we do understand it's important to cover the races and and do that and, and like we say convey the commentary and let people know what's going on but it's also about the people at the end of the day. You know, there's so many stories inside the MG Car Club. And, and as we know, the MG brand is such an iconic brand. There's years and years and years of history. And to me, a race meeting, certainly with the MGs, it's not just a case of, oh, let's turn up, let's go racing. It's, it's a gathering of like-minded people. And, you know, our role isn't just to talk about what's going out on track. Our, my, my job is to sort of, get into the garages, get into the paddock. We want people to see things that they might not necessarily get to see. And it kind of harks back to the idea sort of came about from Formula One, actually, and it was Martin Brundle's grid walks, you know, that he does in Formula One. Mm. And the concept is very simple. It's one camera, it's Martin Brundle, he's got 10 minutes, he's got a microphone, he's live, and he's got no script. And off you go and see what happens. And it's some of the best broadcasting you'll ever see because nobody knows what's going to happen. There's no, there's no script to it. It's completely unpredictable. And this is what we like to do. You know, we like to take the camera. We like to go for a walk around the paddock. Brands Hatch is nice and easy, of course, unless uh, everybody, uh, they're out in the outfield, because then you've got a bit of a walking mission on. We could do with uh, Brands Hatch getting a few golf buggies, to be fair, to help us carters around. <laughs> that would be helpful. Uh, but just to get a real feel for the people, when we do the racing, of course, we get up high at Brands, certainly for the Indy circuit. You can see everything. Uh, it gives the viewer a real good vantage point. We can start, we can move the camera around quickly. We can get excited. You can see all of the action. And then we can get down quite quickly as well into sort of park fern and catch up with the catch up with a winner and then chat to some of the other uh, runners and riders as well. Alton Park, a uh, slightly different concept, of course, because there's not a huge amount of vantage points where you can see a great deal of the track. So we obviously want to be around the drivers as much as possible. We'll, we'll stick around sort of the pit lane, the paddock. Uh, again, the Alton Park paddock is great, isn't it? Because it is literally just right there, right behind the start-finish line. So nobody's ever that far away, which is really, really good. And then it just gives us access to the people. We, we want to find out about them. We want to find out about their history. We want to find out about the cars. We want to let people see things that they just don't normally get to see if you just sort of turn on Eurosport and just watch 
cars going around a racetrack you certainly do that and uh, let's talk about those people because part of your job i guess ian is to follow the stories of those people as the season progresses and you must get quite close to them you get to know their personalities and and how their their race weekends pan out into a wider seasonal story it is you get to know them on a personal level uh, as well and that that's really really nice i always say the first event we ever do with a new club or series for example is always the hardest one because you're getting to know everybody but once you're over that first one you get to know everybody really really well like i said we're doing a, a show coming up this saturday and part of the show is i've interviewed every single driver with this particular series and i i know them now so when i turn up to brands hatch next month the people i haven't spoken to before we have that feeling that, that we're almost on a personal level and this is something that I do in my preparation and lead up to a race meeting, certainly for the first time. Uh, I'm pleased to say we're doing the Midget and Sprite Challenge at Brands Hatch as well now, but I've never done that before. So part of my process in the lead up for that will be to contact as many of the drivers as I can and see if I can just have a quick chat with them. So when I do turn up, I'm not a stranger to them. I'm not intrusive. And then they'll open up to me that they'll, they'll be more receptive to me and we can find out the stories. You know, some people are happy to give you all the information in the world and some people they just need a bit of warming up and and that's that's and that starts two three weeks actually before the event actually happens well it's important this isn't it mark because what we need to do is convey to the wider world just how much fun people are having during the race meets and what a close-knit family the mg car club race championship is because ultimately what we need is people on the grid competing and taking part in order for things to carry on for many years into the future absolutely i mean you're in for a treat ian because there's some great characters in the midget and sprite challenge and we've everything from some really young drivers in fact we have a father and son duo in Brilliant. the midgets everything's from really young drivers to some really experienced drivers and i'm using that word very very carefully i think uh, we span around about 50 years in ages from the youngest to the oldest within the midget and sprite challenge and uh, as I say, some real characters in there that have spent a lot of time in the MG paddock and um, being part of that family that we always talk about. How is it at the moment in terms of the effects of the pandemic on race entries, Mark? And, and how is the MG Car Club Race Championship standing up to it all? Remarkably well, I have to say. I think there's some pent up demand for racing because we weren't able to do very much last year. And so for the unfortunately cancelled first round at Silverstone and now what is going to be the first round of Browns Hatch, we've had a great entry, some really strong numbers, and we're looking at over 20 cars on each and every grid that we run. That's great. I mean, you know, other series have struggled this year, especially in the light of cancelled race meetings and the <clears> impact <throat> on the club's finances that that's had. And also, of course, the impact on the finances for those people who race. And it's great to see that um, you seem to be managing to swerve those challenges and keep the racing going for everyone. I guess for you, Ian, as well, it's giving you another challenge because in order to go and stick microphones in people's faces, uh, you can have to handle things slightly differently this season, aren't you? Uh, yeah, yeah, we certainly had to last season as well, and it's it's face masks, of course, and we actually had to adapt our, our microphone. I wear a lapel mic, so it's great. I can walk around with my hands free, but we uh, believe it or not, we have a microphone that's on a on a two meter stick, <laughs> and uh, because you're not allowed to get close to people, which is understandable, you know, we we, we certainly um, take it very seriously and abide by all the social distancing rules. Um, but yeah, you, you just have to adapt. You, you just have to change a little bit. 
but the appetite for racing is still there. The audience is still there. Everybody wants to see it. And you see it when you walk around the paddock. You know, it, it's full. It is full. And everybody just wants to get racing. And I think the confidence, uh, certainly, you know, the vaccine rollout, et cetera, the confidence is back now. You, you know, I think we uh, we look at this now and think, OK, I, I'm not a scientist, but it, it doesn't look like we're going to go into another lockdown thing. Don't hold me to that, of course. Um, so I actually think people are confident we're going to have as much of a full season as we possibly can. Um, and yeah, I, I think we're I think we're there now, uh, and we're, we'll we'll carry on following the government guidelines. But we can be trackside, we can race, and we can broadcast it. Well, there we are, just talking about Murray Walker and his curse of the Murrayisms, and you've just done it yourself there. And uh, let's hope that you're <laughs> right. And there's no more lockdowns. Yeah. But um, uh, of course, the knock-on effect of the pandemic has affected all sorts of different race meets and car shows. And one of those that didn't escape this year for 2021 was MG Live. Unfortunately, wasn't able to be held at Silverstone over the intended weekend of the 12th to the 13th of June, but is happening as a joint event later on in the year in august 13th to the 15th of august in fact at the three county showground in malvern where the mg car club have teamed up with triumph clubs to put on a spectacular there but the good news is mg racing will continue at silverstone on that weekend the 12th to the 13th of june and it's a silverstone grand prix circuit it had to be in the calendar didn't it mark because it's over 70 years of history that this race meet represents and the drivers just absolutely love the circuit. Uh, they really find it a challenge. Uh, and that's the one they want to race. If you took away all the other races during the year, the Grand Prix circuit is the one they want to do. We're working with Silverstone as well and hoping we can have maybe a small number of spectators there as well. And there'll be more news on that as we get it. But we will also be, on from the racing point of view, at the show you've just mentioned on the 13th, 14th and 15th of August. So we'll have a stand with some race cars on and people can come find out a lot more about what the racing is all about and how they can get more involved, not just from a competitive point of view, but from the point of view of actually helping us to organise the meetings and getting involved in other ways. And of course, that's important, isn't it? Because a lot of people will look at circuit racing as being perhaps out of budget or out of reach for whatever reasons. But there is other ways to become involved in the sport and marshalling is just as important as competing, isn't it? It absolutely is. And you mentioned our second meeting at Alton Park. I'm delighted to say we'll be making a presentation to the British Motorsport Marshals Club at that meeting, uh, where we'll be making a donation to the marshals because they are absolutely vital for the sport. Absolutely right. And of course, what many people don't realise is that if you're trying to gain those valuable points on your motor racing licence, then uh, some of the fixtures that you can marshal at actually help you to build that pocket of experience as you uh, develop your racing career and I think I don't think I'm being unreasonable Ian in saying that it's probably good for every person that wants to get into racing to perhaps try a bit of marshalling at some point you're absolutely right Wayne and, and actually uh, I'm not just saying this because you've put it on uh, it is something I'm looking at myself I, I think it's important from every angle whether you want to go racing actually out on the track or whether you just want to be involved behind the scenes and that includes from a media standpoint as well and, and you're probably the same Wayne, you, you've got a responsibility to have knowledge of, of as much as you possibly can. And I've been fortunate enough to, to have driven a few race cars around. I've never actually raced myself, um, so I don't have that knowledge as such. But I have uh, experienced a race car numerous times, uh, so I've been fortunate in that event. I haven't marshaled, and I think that is something that's very, very important uh, for a deeper knowledge and a deeper understanding. One thing 
we always try and do is is chat to the marshals as well and you'll be amazed at how receptive they are they're always up for a chat and i'll tell you something even when it's absolutely hammering it down with rain they're always smiling they've always got thumbs up Honestly, I don't know how to do it. Up the Orange Army, they're quite incredible, really. Yeah, they absolutely are. They're a great bunch of people. And, uh, yeah, I have to say I'm part of the media set that does get probably more involved than I should uh, when I get out on track with uh, with cars and marshalling. And uh, I did have an incident when I was PRing for a team at Le Mans once. And with my media vest on, pushing the team's car that I was PRing for up the pit lane because it had run out of petrol. But uh, I couldn't stand by and let them do it on their own. You know, I had to get involved. And uh, yeah, I, I became a bit known for that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, it is important. It's important to understand all parts of motorsport in order to convey it. But also, so as a driver if you're going to be a really good driver you need to know all of the ins and outs of the sport and that will, is what really will give you the edge would you agree with that mark i absolutely would agree with it and uh, my story from marshalling was the very first time i went to marshall up at thruxton it was actually a truck racing meeting and i was very honored to be asked to wave the checkered flag to the trucks when they finished the race which uh-huh. is uh, to me seemed like a, a really good job for someone that hadn't been there before <laughs> Until they showed me the concrete plinth that I had to stand on in order to wave the flag. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like a hundred tons of metal firing at you when you're waving that flag. Yeah. <laughs> the first time they came round from the chicane at the end of the start finish straight in Thruxton, which I'm sure you know well, it was it was kind of Jurassic in that there were these huge, great vehicles coming at me, belching smoke and diesel. And passing by me, probably a foot away, I did take a step back at that point, I have to say. Fantastic. Silverstone, Ian, from a commentator's point of view, is quite a challenge, isn't it? Um, Especially when you're sort of paddock-based, because the circuit is vast. How do you go about covering it? Uh, Wayne, that's, that's a great, uh, great question. I'm glad you said it as well. <laughs> uh, Silverstone, wonderful circuit, great history. From a filming uh, commentating position, it is, uh, yeah it can be a little bit of, of a pain, I have to be honest. I mean, look, we handle it the same. We handle most of the events that we do when we do single camera stuff. Um, I run the commentary, actually, from sort of TSL when I can't see the far side of the track. Uh, and it's my job, again, to, to have the knowledge to be able to fill those gaps. If, if say, it's the Grand Prix circuit, for example, and it's quite a long way round, uh, you know, you've got a couple of minutes to fill, haven't you? And, it, and it's my job to have done my research and give the audience entertainment. You know, we're, we're producing a show at the end of the day here and it's got to be entertaining because we want people to stay tuned we want them to interact they i want people to feel like they're at the track with me as well and get excited and and feel like they're part of the action right there and sometimes it actually works quite well because if you have cameras just following cars going around constantly and you've got a commentator talking about it yeah it sounds sounds very good but when i'm there and i'm getting excited you can hear the roar of the engines coming around again you can almost feel the viewer has got it on their telly at home and it's almost like they're there as well and they're a fan with me you know we're on the journey together and yeah i mean look silverstone it's just it's just about being able to fill for two minutes every single lap whilst you wait for somebody to come around (laughs) (laughs) well you do it very well and uh, then it gets a little bit easier for you because the 17th and the 18th of july the next round on the mg car club calendar is of course donnington park another historic circuit but at least a circuit with a few elevations and a circuit that you can see most of from the commentary tower yeah, Donington's a great circuit, isn't it? It, it? it, Again, it really is. The only problem with Donington is if 
you've got the paddock and you've got the pit garages and if if they're at the far side of the car park you've got you put a few miles on on the doors that way as well yeah. uh but yeah i mean look donington up high you can pretty much see the whole lot down the crane curves right at the back of the circuit it's 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 an iconic place when you turn up as well is donington because i think alongside sort of silverstone it's it's the circuit that can hold some sort of the most international races as well isn't it mm. and of course it hosted formula one as well i know brands hatch did but brands hatch wouldn't be able to host formula one these days whereas i actually still think donington probably could so there's a bit of an aura around donington and, and i always get excited when when i go there mm, absolutely and mark it's a uh... I, I should think it's a it's a circuit that our racers look forward to because more than anything, it's fast one, isn't it? Oh, it is fast, and they absolutely love it. We had some great racing there last year. We were very lucky to be able to race last year. It was one of the few meetings we did manage to run. Um, we were one of the first clubs in the country to get racing again. So we had lots of things that we had to put into place to make sure we could race safely and prove that we could run a race meeting in a COVID-safe way. So that was a real test for us, but luckily we have a team around us who are fantastic at helping us to do all this. Oh. Donington Park, of course, is the one where we have the three-hour keep race as well, the relay, which is uh, always something to behold. And we will have the pre-war Triple M racing cars with us there again this year, which are something to see, smell, and uh, <laughs> generally listen to. They are fantastic. On uh, MG Car Club uh, fixtures, Mark, at, when you get to the S's at Donington, do you take in the Melbourne hairpin or do you go straight on through Wheatcroft? No, we, we don't take in the Melbourne hairpin. We, we we cut that one out. So it makes the lap a little bit shorter and keeps the racing a bit closer and very exciting. Yeah, brilliant. And, of course, there's that brilliant moment for drivers, especially where they come down the Craner curves, hit old hairpin and realise, ooh, it's tighter than it looks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we've had a few interesting uh, occurrences down there where a few drivers have uh, potentially either run out of grip or possibly talent. <laughs> one thing we always do, one thing we always do is ask drivers their, their favourite tracks or part of their media pack, and Donington is, is always up there. Donington, sort of Cadwell and Alton are normally the three that seem to pop up quite a lot, you know, and obviously Brands. It's um, it's right up there, old hairpin in my mind, with Quarry at. Um castle coombe in that it is incredibly technical and you get a hill thrown into the mix and it's all about the braking if you get the braking wrong your car is all over the place and you can soon end up wrapped around a tire barrier and that is part of the skill of watching this you know these aren't multi-million pound drivers that we've got here that have had all the investment in gyms these guys are working all week and then they come and pitch themselves up against some of these fantastic but in many cases notorious tracks and that's what makes club racing so exciting to commentate on isn't it Ian? Oh, it really is I, do you know what it's such a variety isn't it it's so much fun there's so much history I, I just i don't know how anybody can't get excited about motorsport if i'm totally honest with you like you just turn up in the morning and there's bacon sandwiches around everybody's all smiles everybody's having a great time it can be freezing cold it can be absolutely chucking it down with rain but everybody's just so excited to get out on track and there's that anticipation so i always uh, i always use this phrase in commentary the calm before the storm and, and you sort of feel it and i love that i love to go up to uh sort of get into the paddock and get it to the assembly area i love going up to the assembly area where the drivers are sat there and you can see the ones who are a little bit nervous uh, and, you, and you see they're just helmets on heads down that's when you get to really experience what it's like that that's when the nerves start to kick in and that's what we want the viewer to see what is it actually like to go racing we can all 
film cars go around and round and round and round. What is it really like that sort of five minutes before you're about to go on track? You know, it must be the same for an actor, you know, at the theatre, five minutes before they're about the curtain raises. How do you feel those nerves? And, and, and it's trying to evade that, that emotion from the driver. And then people just warm to them because you're like, gosh, that was me. I would feel that way too. And, and it just, you, you suddenly realise that it's such a human thing. Yes, okay, it's motor racing. The cars are mechanical. But without the people, it just doesn't mean anything. Mm. Well, they often say about motorsport that half the battle is with yourself. And that battle is taken on the final round up to Norfolk for the 11th through the 12th of September at Snetterton, a circuit that has corners named after legends. I'm thinking off the top of my head, but there's certainly Brundle, there's Murray's, there's the Senna Strait, uh, there's the Palmer, uh, Williams and the Bentley Strait, Agostini, of course, and it is a circuit of legends and it is a very apt way of ending a very, very busy season, isn't it, Mark? It certainly is, and we're delighted to be back on the full-length 300 circuit, which takes in all of those straights and bends that you've just been mentioning and gives the drivers a real end-of-year challenge. So, if people are interested in getting involved with the MG Car Club Race Championship, what's the best advice, Mark? Obviously, you mentioned that they can come along and talk to the drivers and see the cars up close at the Triumph and MG weekend at Malvern in August. But what questions should they ask of those people and what things should they consider if they fancy joining in 2022? They really should be asking them about uh, how they go about preparing their cars, what they need to do in order to get their race licenses and a little bit about how much it actually costs them to go racing because they might be pleasantly surprised there's no such thing as cheap motorsport however you'd be surprised at some of the budgets that some of these guys are racing on at club level and we're not talking the millions of pounds billions of pounds that you spend at formula one level clearly it can be quite an achievable thing that you might have thought was beyond your reach and might not be yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good advice. And for spectators, Mark, we think, I think I'm right in saying this, that by the time we get to Silverstone, definitely Donnington, spectators will be allowed in. So, as you just said, yeah, maybe Silverstone, definitely Donnington, unless the government pushes any of the dates back again. But as we stand on the current roadmap, that looks like the most likely scenario. But it doesn't matter if you can't get to any of those races because luckily we have Ian. And Ian, you will be there <laughs> commentating on all of these and bringing us the atmosphere from the paddock and introducing us to the drivers so we can get to know them ourselves and follow their story. So talk us through the best way of getting hold of this content, the best way of seeing it. Well, as you know, media has changed, broadcast has changed over the last couple of years, hasn't it? And it's it's really accessible now. Uh, with us at uh, sort of my supercar, we are broadcast and you can watch it at the mg car club facebook page it's uh, and of course the series we work with as well and at my supercar we also broadcast to youtube as well so if somebody doesn't have facebook you can watch it uh, on youtube you'd have to go to my supercar for that uh, we're also on twitch as well it, it's a new platform we're using this year as well it's just to make it accessible for everybody so that they can tune in and, and get it everywhere we, we love motorsport it is a passion for us and and we believe that people should get to see it. You know, we, we want to make it accessible. We want to make it easy to watch. We want people to engage as well. And this is a big sort of thing in, in sport, especially in motorsport for 2021, is fan engagement. So if you are watching any of our broadcasts, please do comment in. We do see them live. 
Uh, we do respond to them. We do read them out live as well. It's it's another thing that we like to do. You know, don't you don't just have to be a fan and, and, and just watch it. You can get involved with us as well. You can interact with us. If you have a question for a particular driver, say it, uh, and we'll you know we'll go find them. We'll go chat to them. We always say this. I I broadcast it in. I, I broadcast in golf as well, uh, and but it's something that we do in motorsport. And I had a golfer who was playing in a tournament, and he hadn't seen his mum for six months because of COVID. And she was in Czech Republic, so she messaged us saying, "Oh, could you go talk to my son? It would just mean the world to me." So we messaged her and said, um, "Send us a video." So she sent a video, and we played it to his son live on the camera just before he was about to tee off. And and you could see he was welling up. He was, we shouldn't have done it because he, he had a terrible round of golf. Um, but this is the things that we can do in motorsport as well. It's exactly the same concept. Um, so interact with us, talk to us. Media, broadcasting, it's completely changed. It's all about engagement as well. If you want to sit back, just enjoy it, feel free. But if you want to get involved, we're always there. We're always listening to you as well. So please do uh, get in contact with us at any time. Absolutely. So you can find it through YouTube on Race Weekend. You can also find it through the MG Car Club Facebook page. And Correct. we'll share links through the MG Car Club news pages at mgcc.co.uk. And, of course, we'll update you and remind you via the weekly newsletter as well. And uh, as Ian said, it's all about engagement, getting involved. And you can ask Ian questions as well. It's not just about asking the drivers questions. And one of the best questions I saw on our Facebook page was, are your pants wet? yet yeah, ian uh, and were they <laughs> that was probably alton park in uh, yeah 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 i live uh, i live in berkshire and so obviously alton park's a bit of a trek away for us and um i didn't bring a, a, a well uh, we came up the night before but of course i had my spare clothes on for that day of course i was dripping wet so i had a four-hour drive home with, with wet pants yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can't let you go ian without mentioning metro fest tell us all about it yeah, MetroFest, it's this Saturday. It's, it's a live show. Uh, again, it's it's about the people. We were, we were supposed to be racing, of course, at Silverstone. Um, but, of course, that's uh, now a little bit later on in the year. Uh, and so it's kind of to, just to replace that, it's to get people excited about motorsport again. Uh, I know, Wayne, uh, Mark, you guys are on it as well. We've got a feature with you guys. It starts from 12 o'clock. Again, you can watch it on the NG Car Club Facebook page. You can watch it on YouTube. You can watch it on Twitch. We've got some great great guests coming up we've got a feature on getting into racing we're going to play a full mg metro cup race from mallory park um we've got uh, obviously you two chaps on as well from the mg car club so thank you very much for that so uh, we meet a lot of the drivers involved with the mg metro cup uh, i'm delighted so we've got tiff nadell uh, joining us as well uh, he's going to be talking about his experience from 1998 that top gear episode where he took part I think Tim Harvey and Steve Soper took part in that race as well. They were there at least, weren't they? So that was quite incredible. Uh, we've got, uh, I don't know if either of you two chaps watched The Apprentice, BBC's Apprentice. Do you ever watch that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got uh, a chap called Richard Woods. He reached the final in 2015. He, he talks about his first car, which was an MG Metro. Uh, so he's on the show as well. And then we round out with a very special Club Racing UK podcast, which talks about... Um, the finding the best looking metro so uh, do tune into that this saturday from 12 o'clock it's going to be a lot of fun great stuff we will look forward to seeing that as ian says mg car club facebook page is the best place to watch that or of course we'll put the links on the website at mgcc.co.uk where also you can find the links to all of the pages that you need to find about motorsport within the mg car club and if you don't find the information from those pages you can always get in touch with mark and what's the best way to do that mark on my email wayne which is motorsport all one word 
at mgcc.co.uk. Right, I'm ready, chaps, to go racing once again. Thank God we're allowed out from March the 29th, which is, of course, the date that uh, Motorsport UK allowed permits to be booked from. Uh, We're all ready. Are you ready to join us for a season of MG Car Club Racing? My thanks to Mark Bolsch and to uh, Ian Waterhouse for joining me on this episode of the MG Car Club podcast, and we'll see you at circuit soon. See you, chaps. Thanks, Wayne. Thanks, Mark. Glad Wayne. Thanks very much. Subscribe to receive new episodes of the MG Car Club podcast at mgpodcast.uk.